Welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Hi, welcome back to the Life and Rhythm podcast, and I'm with some friends from Rafa International, Stephanie Freed and Patty Fancher. Welcome. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Glad to have you both. <laughs> Stephanie, let's start with you. Talk to us about what Rafa International is, what you're all about, who you are. Yeah, just tell us all the things. Hmm, that's a lot. Um, Rafa International. So we, our mission, Matt, is that we seek to end the trafficking and sexual exploitation of children, one child at a time. We do that through aftercare for child survivors, prevention for the vulnerable, and engagement for all of those that want to take action. Um, We were birthed in 2003, so we are uh, in our teenage years at Rafa International, about 18 years uh, into ministry now. And um, this this lady beside me joining me today has um, been in the fight for most of that time. Um, just a strong, a very strong sister of encouragement, um, a powerhouse. So yes, really, she is really thankful to be uh, joining her and you this morning, Matt. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. So a little backstory, Patty and I have taken some great adventures together. We have been to New York city. We've been to Northern Ireland. We've been to Zambia, Africa together. And we could spend the entire time on this podcast telling you stories. Uh, But what I want to say more than anything is that Patty is a woman who knows God, who is a friend of God. And I'm grateful that I get to call her my friend. Um, I treasure our friendship. I love it when we get to hang out and talk and and you're very special to me. So tell us about who you are. Well, I'm tearing up too. So you really are. So thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, I'd do anything for you, Matt. (laughs) Well, um, where would you like to go from here? Do you want me to share a little bit about myself? Yeah. Okay. How far back do you want me to go? Because I'm all... (laughs) (laughs) Go as far back as you feel necessary. You go ahead. Well, um, if you know me, you know that um, I pretty much had a lost childhood. And so, you know, that's part of my story. And I think that's uh, a big reason that I'm so passionate Mm -hmm. about Rafa and our girls, because our stories can change. And we see that every day, that girls who have come out of darkness and brokenness and despair, that now they are embracing light and hope and freedom. And so um, just being able to have a front row seat to see stories change is is golden. And I am so grateful uh, to have the, the privilege to do what I get to do every day. I love it. 
<clears throat> Thank you both um, for joining us. You know, in this season of the podcast, every other week we've kind of we launched a new episode and we've taken turns from local voices here in Phoenix around, you know, uh, with Rhythm Community Church. We've just been wondering for a few years during the pandemic, but also just starting mm -hmm. a new church. You start to ask questions like, OK, what really is the church? What's the nature of the church? And, and what are we really supposed to be? And then from that place of being, what are we supposed to do? And so we're going to center our whole conversation around those two questions very simply. What is the church and what's it for? And to start, start off our conversation, kind of kick it off, um, you both would love this woman. Her name is Kit Danley. She started a ministry here in Phoenix 40 years ago called Neighborhood Ministries. And it started with a little Awana club on mm -hmm. Monday nights um, for kids, inner city kids who had um, just a tough time, a tough life. And it has, it has grown to having a full medical clinic. It has a dental clinic. It has a bike shop. It has an entrepreneur uh, playground where people can learn business. It has a preschool, a church. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The last time I visited there, they had just finished a battle in court advocating for a young man to become a U.S. citizen. Wow. And that like <laughs> unbelievable stuff, um, just advocating for the least of these. And I know just pleasing the heart of God. And they talk about the lessons they've learned in the decades of ministry there. And, and this, to me, has to do with our conversation of what is the church. And I know this area of transformation and justice is near, to de near and dear to both of your hearts. And so let me start with this quote, and then either one of you can just kind of respond to this, to this question, what is the church? All right, so here's the quote. It's just a paragraph. So it says, when you identify with and become family to participants in ministry, you become neighbors with them, co-laborers among them. And you have no choice but to enter into solidarity with them when they are victims of injustice and prejudice. Advocacy for them is organic. It arises out of a real-time relationship and real-life situations where power is abused. Pursuing justice is an inevitable part, inevitable part of doing kingdom work. We don't go looking for fights, but we must join our voice with the poor when they are mistreated and oppressed. And we must be attentive to those systematic issues and influence what opportunities are available to the poor and work diligently to protect human and civil rights. This is what the church should be about. Amen. That's great. Yeah. So tell me about um, what that stirs up in you, what images, um, even stories of just what is the church? What comes to your mind? Yeah, as we were saying just before the, the recording started, Matt, Pat and I feel so passionate about um, the topic that we're discussing today. We could share uh, story after story after story. Um <laughs> I think, you know, I grew up in church my whole life, Matt, and um, church Church for me was a place of safety. It was community. It was my village um, who brought me up in the Lord. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm 51 this year, so I grew up in that time when you really, you were at church every time the doors were open. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, remember that, Pat? Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was every time the doors were open, we were there and we were excited to be there. And um, 
uh, I would say it was a church for me has always been that place of beauty. Um, mm-hmm. but I think when I was, when I was, uh, and I loved what you said in your prayer, I wish we could have recorded that prayer that you prayed with us just before this, <laughs> this session started, because you said, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. Thank you that we get to come to work with you every day, Lord. And so it's like every day is take your kid to work day. Every day is take your daughter to work day for us. Right. Um, And I think that um, when I stepped into ministry, into this ministry of, of Rafa international back in 2003, um, that this journey has reframed the way that I see church because church does look like that, um, that picture of the way that, that I grew up in a church, but it also looks very different. It also may look like, um, Cambodian social workers getting in a four wheel drive truck and driving to the end of known roads and then getting that moped out of the back of the truck and traversing where there are no roads to find that family that has lost their child to trafficking and um, to begin to rebuild it and reconstruct a bridge home potentially for that child and to ever be able to come back into that that community or that family and all in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So especially when you're dealing with um, a population like Cambodia, where um, estimates are that like less than 1% of the population are, are Christian Mm -hmm. and those social workers, those Christian women suddenly become the church to that community that has never has never been able to, you know, engage with the message of, of Jesus Christ before, potentially. Um, and to be able to, to rebuild relationships and infuse that community and that family with love and passion all in the name of Jesus Christ, that is a different concept of church than a lot of times yeah. I think we think about it here in the West, especially yeah. in America. But it's no less a church it's That's no right. less a church than that yeah. beautiful church, you know, that I grew up, that I had the um, opportunity to grow up in. Yeah. Yeah. Can I return back to just a kind of a small phrase you said at the beginning of that when you said, the church is a place of beauty. Mm-hmm. And I, I was reading this um, old theologian uh, who said, you know, there's three kind of, he calls them transcendentals or things that... Um, are really important with the church. And he says, it's goodness and truth and beauty, Mm. that it has to be marked by those three things. And often, he says, we make the mistake of approaching the world first with truth. Mm. Hey, you're wrong. We're right. Let me tell you the truth. This is the truth. And it'll set you free. And we have good intentions with it, no doubt. But we start with truth. Or sometimes we start with goodness. Hey, what you're doing is bad who we are is good. Let me tell you about the goodness. All right. Let me tell you about the goodness that God is offering and his, um, his contention. I agree with him is that we ought to begin with beauty. 
that beauty is often the back door to people's hearts so that they actually want to know the truth and they want to understand the goodness. Because when you talk about getting in a four-wheel drive truck and then putting somebody on a moped just so that they can be a part of a rescue, just so that they can be a small part of the restoration of all things, that to me communicates a beauty that is compelling that people kind of scratch their heads and wonder, was that really what it's about? If that's what it's about. Yeah. I want to be a part of that. Wow. wow. I it's just beautiful. got full chills, like full body chills, Matt, the restoration, <laughs> the restoration of all things. And isn't that exactly what Jesus came, you know, came yeah. to do and came to be, came to model right. for us. So that's yes. Right. Beauty, beauty. So, so many stories though. And I think that, um, for Rafa, we, we take his model very seriously because, you know, he was always feeding people and healing people. And, and then people's hearts are really open. You know, why are you showing us love? Why are you showing us compassion and mercy? Why are you offering this justice? Like, um, their hearts are open because their stomachs, um, their stomachs now have food, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now they can hear, and um, we take that model really seriously at Rafa, even from the time that maybe that law enforcement um, uh, squadron or you know the social services of whatever country we're working in brings that child to our gates. Like immediately, we want her to know that we are going to do everything we can to make sure that every one of her basic needs are met that we're going to, you know, take her immediately and show her that dining room where she's going to, she's going to be able to eat as much as she wants three times a day, whether it's a good day or a bad day, you know, it doesn't matter. It, she, her tummy will be full and, you know, a safe place to sleep, a bed that's just for her. Nobody else is going to get in that bed with her. You know, this is your space. These are your things. Just the basic care, just tending to her medical needs and her emotional needs. And these are all things that Jesus modeled for us and uh, that we need to take very seriously in the way that we are being the church and and loving the most vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, can I ask specifically for you, um, I mean, you talked a little bit about your unsafe childhood and then now as an adult being involved in ministry in some sort, a lot of your life in, in what ways has your view of what the church is shifted over the years? Can I ask that specifically for you? How has it grown in your imagination, in your heart? Um, what's been the journey of how you view the church? Mm. Well, in my early years, church, it, you know, it was my responsibility if I went to church and I went to like three different denominations, one, one on Sunday mornings, a different one on Sunday nights. And then I had my little Catholic friend, Mary, that I would go to mass with her every day after school. We went to this little chapel and I would kneel and I would light a candle and just pray, um, just pray to know Jesus better, um, pray for protection because there were many unsafe nights when I went home. Um, but for me, locally, the church is number one. I love worship. 
So all those years of DIY worship, you know, I'm the, the older person that loves it really loud and, you know, just being, you know, raising my hands and worshiping um, full on. It's also personal discipleship. And I would say third is community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that that's locally. When I'm overseas, there is something so special. We have a little church um, in Cambodia that is near and dear to our hearts. And Stephanie's dad was um, the founder of this church. And it's on Women's Island, which is one of the killing fields in Cambodia, where Pol Pot would his soldiers would take women and children and babies and they were killed on that Mm -hmm. island so when you talk about beauty and transformation this was Mm -hmm. a dark place that now there is hope there there are christians there is a church that sits on that island where new generations come and they worship god they're not worshiping buddha So church looks so different and you can be traveling on roads where there's little spirit houses out by the curb. But for me, um, one of the things I also love going along with the idea of what does church look like? And we've traveled many different places and worshiped in different languages, but, um, Seeing the heart of worship, one of another thing that we do through Rafa International is we offer an opportunity to do a, a medical dental trip. Now, our girls probably have the best medical care of any children in Cambodia, but um, we still um, we offer them dental care and to be seen by a provider. But we go out into villages where. We come in the name of Jesus because Jesus, it's mercy, care, and showing love and compassion. So yes. they may come and see these Americans and we're, we look terrifying to them. Yeah. But when they leave, Matt, they have a smile on their face. And mm-hmm. we the, the final thing that we do at our clinics, we call it the powerhouse. And so that is where when the patient leaves, we sit with them and we pray for them. And there's an interpreter there. So even though there is that language barrier that they know that we have come there in the name of Jesus and we are praying hope and healing over them physically and spiritually. Come on. You're making me think of... uh... One of, that, one of my oh, favorite scripture, if I can throw this in. Yes. And uh, this scripture is my heartbeat. Uh, Isaiah 61. And there's so much in that. Not only for me personally, but for our girls. It's yeah. it's their testimony too. And so, <clears throat> sorry. Uh I'm going to read a paraphrased version of this, a few verses, if I may. Yes. God has sent me on a mission. I have some great news for you. God has sent me to restore and to release something, and that something is you. I am here to give you back your heart and set you free. 
I am furious at the enemy who did this to you, and I will fight against him. Let me comfort you. For dear one, I will bestow beauty upon you. Where you have known only devastation, now joy will rise in the place of your deep sorrow. And I will robe your heart and thankful praise in exchange for your resignation and despair. Amen. That is so Amen. powerful. So yeah, good. That's my testimony right there. Ooh. Well, Stephanie and I are just uh, <laughs> crying. So. <laughs> <clears throat> Wow. Oh, Pat. So you're making me think of that moment in uh, Jesus's ministry in Matthew 9, where he looks out at people, the crowd. And um, as a pastor of a local church, it's very convicting at times because sometimes I look at the crowd and I'm, I'm frustrated with the crowd. I wonder um, why they don't get it. Why, why aren't they moving in a certain way? And Jesus's response to their fickle nature is compassion. It says mm -hmm. his stomach is turned over inside of itself. And it, he has this movement of compassion and mercy. So when I think about what you're saying and what that means for the church, that we ought to be marked by mm -hmm. deep compassion that moves us to a place of prayer. Because he, he immediately goes from feeling that and then turning towards the Father in hope, not hopelessness, but in hope and saying, God, you can do something about this. You can send out workers into the harvest field. So would you send it? And then he says, and then he calls, you know, the very next chapter, first verse is like he calls his closest friends to himself and he sends them out to go to go be the shepherds, to go and be that embodied mercy, that embodied compassion. Go, go heal, go tell people the good news, exactly what you just read from Isaiah 61. So can we kind of shift the conversation and let me ask you both, what comes to your mind then when you think about being on mission for Jesus, specifically in an American context? So what you have learned in Cambodia, what you've learned, what are the other countries you're in? Haiti and Thailand, Thailand. So those three countries and all the, all the places you've both visited, you know, what comes to your imagination when you think about the call on the American church to do certain things, right? So I'm wrestling with the things that work in Thailand probably won't work here. Um, the things that work in Cambodia, you can't just copy and paste it into an American context. Uh, Jesus never copy and paste. He's always creative, fully present, contextual in his love. Mm. And so what, what does that look like from a global perspective? Even in Joplin, Missouri, where you both are at, how have you been transformed by the experiences and then brought that into your everyday life in simple ways? Yeah. I, do you want me to, you can go to jump in here first? Sure. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I would say that people are people are people are people <laughs> all, across, all across this beautiful world. Yep. Little girl. Yes, yes. And so really, yeah. we do see that the same um, the same dynamics at play 
um, where we're working internationally are here too. And I think a lot about the gift of presence, just the gift of being present with somebody who is hurting. Pat, um, Patty is, um, has modeled this for me. Um, she's kind of our, our guru of love around here. If you, if, you know, your, your <laughs> listeners probably don't know Patty Fancher, but love pours out of this woman's eyes. Like when That's you right. are with her, you don't have to worry that her, she's distracted by anything else. She is present with you. And I think wow. that as Americans, we get so, uh, we get into our crazy routines and our outrageously busy lifestyles and we lose even the gift of, of, of the ministry of presence of just yeah. being there for, for somebody that is in pain or somebody who is, who is vulnerable. Um, I think about uh, here in Joplin, Missouri, we have a, a trauma center right here in our at our headquarters where we're dealing with um, trafficked children from our own community with foster children who have dealt with um, terrible sexual abuse and, and other kinds of trauma and abuse. And um, this is this is global. You know, the issues that we face um, internationally, we face them here in our own communities yeah. too. And um, we are just more resourced here in the United yeah. States um, to provide helps. And I think sometimes this can, uh, this can make the church lazy at times because, you know, internationally where there aren't any resources outside of potentially, um, yeah, potentially the, you know, uh, many, we work with many Christian organizations and those are the resources where we're working here in the U S I think we rely on, on, uh, maybe government resources or other resources to get in there and do the hard work in the church sometimes sits back. Um, and that's what I would challenge. Um, that's what I would challenge the American church with to, to get into the ministry of presence, to take mm. action the vulnerable are everywhere. Um, we just have to leave our, we have to leave the sanctuary and get back out there. Matt, there is a, I'm thinking about a, a special church in um, downtown Indianapolis called Inglewood. Um, and I was visiting with the, the um, pastor there a few months ago and uh, we were sitting in the inner city. They have a garden there that uh, they just leave kind of, uh, they want the children to know how tomatoes are grown. You know, they want the children Beautiful. to have a tree to climb. And so they have this, this open garden that um, the children in the inner city can, can come and enjoy. And there's yeah. a huge preschool there for all these single moms that, you know, cannot afford um, to, to work and, and send their kids into preschool. And so, and, and they have, you know, subsidized housing for people coming out of homeless shelters. They have, elderly housing. Um, and I sat with that pastor in that garden one day and I just said, ah, oh, next time I come through Indy, I'm going to come worship with you guys on Sunday morning. I don't want to speak. I just want to be present for your worship. And this pastor said, oh no, Stephanie, Sunday morning is the least cool thing about that. <laughs> She said, don't come here on a Sunday morning. Don't come here on a Sunday morning. This is church. What happens here every day of the week, this is our church at work. And I, that just, 
I had, again, I'm having full body chills just telling you about that, you know, sitting there in the garden that day and, and listening wow. to that. And I think that's my, that would be my challenge yeah. for the church. Like let every day of the week be the coolest yeah. thing about, about your church. Yeah. Wow. Amen. <laughs> that's Amen, Stephanie. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> One of my favorite little churches is in the heart of uh, D.C. on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And um, it's called The Living Word. And one of the things I love about it is um, it's predominantly African-Americans in the church. So, you know, walking in there boldly as a, as a white woman, but being greeted at the door and immediately being handed a pink tambourine. <laughs> You know, you know, worship is going to be good in that sanctuary. And everybody gets a tambourine. Everybody gets a tambourine. They have boxes of tambourines. And I love it. I love that. I love that. Um, You know, I've even volunteered to help on some worship teams. And the only thing I tell them I'm gifted to do is to shake the tambourine. (laughs) So I've had some practice. But um, (laughs) anyway, um, you know, they are then during the week, just as Stephanie was saying, that model of uh, community outreach and helping in the projects and, um, you know, providing backpacks and uh, for back to school children in the inner city and, you know, just being the hands and feet of Jesus daily not just on Sunday. So um, again, what Stephanie was saying of being present, um, of being holy every day of the week, not just Mm -hmm. on Sunday and having that heart of worship that people, when they pass you on the street, they, they see something different about you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know that it's almost six and a half years ago that uh, I lost my late husband, Bob. And I think in, in this timeline, one thing I've learned um, that has just really cultivated me to be more aware of others is... Um, you know, our society, our culture is not equipped to help the grieving mm-hmm. and to be present, mm-hmm. even if you don't have words to be present, to hold someone's hand, to pray with them. As Christians, we mm-hmm. can all offer that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to have perfect words, but if we have the heart of Jesus and we have a heart of compassion, that love overflows. And that person will be comforted by that. Yeah. That's the church manifested every day. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Um, Well, I don't think I've uh, been this tearful in any of the podcasts (laughs) that I've ever recorded. Uh, They're not sad tears. They're... I don't know. Holy Spirit tears, right. just sacred tears. Right. And so thank you both so much for taking time and um, 
Patty, I wonder if you would close us just with a word of prayer for those listening, specifically to live into the things we've talked about, into the heart of God for the world. Amen. Thank you. Sweet Jesus, uh, we, we come before your throne room, and we are in Holy Week right now. We're... Um, in just a few days, we recognize Good Friday and the sacrifice that you paid for us on, on the cross on Calvary's Hill. And Lord, and just a few days later, we celebrate victory and resurrection and the hope we have of eternal life, that it doesn't end at the grave. Lord, I thank you for how you rewrite our stories, how you give us opportunities every day uh, to be your servant. But we have to have eyes wide open. Um, we have to have ears to hear. And we have to be willing to step out and to be present. Lord, cultivate our hearts to be broken every day. For those um, who are lost, those who feel like their life is hopeless, help us to be a vessel, to be a cup bearer that is willing to offer hope and love and compassion. Lord, we pray for freedom around the world. We're all refugees, Lord. And I just pray that we can all just embrace one another because there will be the day we'll all reside in your kingdom and we will love one another. We will know perfect love then. Amen. So Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the gifts that you bestow upon us daily that we just take for granted. Thank you most of all for the gift of grace. And I pray that we have eyes that reflect that grace to others every single day, that we are less, less judgmental and more forgiving and more loving in all of our words and actions, that we are great examples of your, your just beauty. Lord, I thank you for Matt and his ministry in Phoenix. And Lord, I just pray your, your abundant blessings on him and his family and the church there. I pray. Amen. Amen. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others.